Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes. I am your host, Mike Catron, and joining me, as always, is Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Oh, not much, Mike, man. How are you? Um, you know, I, I'm doing fine. I, I I went recently just got out of a coma, and I, I swear that I saw Jimmy Butler got traded to Minnesota for for Chris Dunn, but that just that can't be true. I think I'm just having flashbacks to last year. That can't be true. That didn't happen. You just saw him and Tibbs' picture together, and you thought it was for Minnesota instead of the Bulls? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I was just like half asleep, and I saw like a publicity photo. Maybe he was just in. They were at Team USA training or something. I don't know. I swear, I swear, I saw uh, that Jimmy Butler got traded, but the Bulls would never would never do that. Not the Bulls. Now, come on. No, definitely the the front office is so competent that they would never, ever, ever do that. Ever. Or definitely did it, and I'm utterly depressed and trying to pretend that world doesn't exist. Maybe it doesn't exist. Now, did you ever think about that? It it doesn't if I don't let it exist. There you go. Think about that, everybody. Uh, we will talk about – when we talk about the draft, we will have to talk about the Jimmy Butler play, trade. But uh, I'm going to ignore that just like I'm ignoring it in real life, and I have been ignoring it for the last – um, man, it's only been like five days, six days. Uh, I'm glad we, I'm glad we had an, a break and did not uh, do a post-draft, immediate post-draft, uh, podcast because it would have just been an hour of me <laughs> cursing and, and screaming and yelling about the Bulls. So I'm glad I had some time to be utterly depressed about it. And um, I'm going to try to get over that. I'm going to try to ignore it so I can live my life. I mean, that's good. I mean, I, I if I was a Bulls fan, I was there a worse team on draft night to be than the Bulls? I don't think that was. Not maybe according the Wizards, to they didn't pick anyone. True. That maybe the maybe the Wizards, but according to literally everyone, there was not a worse team than the Bulls. So. Um, actually, I think the Wizards, by not picking anyone, did not screw anything up. So, they beat the Bulls by default. <laughs> technically, they beat the Bulls by not by did not play. Coaches, <laughs> that is hilarious. But this um, extra weight that we had, and um, me getting out of my coma and realizing uh, the world without Jimmy Butler exists, um, we did. Happen upon uh, breaking news, Chris Paul is going to uh, take his final year, uh, uh, his, to pick up his player option, and to be immediately traded to the Houston Rockets. Um, this is this is probably the biggest trade. I mean, this has been a crazy. It's been a crazy couple weeks. This is the craziest thing that's happened in those couple weeks. Um, this is a major superstar being traded to a team that has a major superstar. Um, so let's let's just break this trade down. Um, let's start with the the Houston Rockets. What do you what do you think this does to the Houston Rockets and uh, with CP3 and Harden playing with each other? Um. Well, I mean, let's first say that they trade away Patrick Beverly, right? Okay, so he's gonna that is uh, true. He's gonna obviously not be there to take up some of the minutes. Um. So I think they're gonna try to play Chris Paul like 32 minutes a game and they're going to let Harden play his usual time. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how they share the ball. I mean, obviously, both guys are best with the ball in their hands. Um, both guys are great creators. But I think you're seeing a lot more teams in the NBA try to go with this, like the two-point guard look or the two-creator um, look, just to make the offense so much harder to deal with, right? If I've got a guy on the right side of the floor who can make the plays and a guy on the left side of the floor, I can do just so many more things with the basketball. Um, so, Go ahead. Yeah, It's kind of the um, – the unpositioning of the entire NBA where you want everyone to be uh, either a Draymond or a uh, Harden. Uh, eventually, if a team full of Draymonds and Hardens would probably be the best team in the league because they could, they could probably do literally everything um, and always, and make open shots and create and do, and do whatever. Uh, a lot of people are kind of predicting that this really hurts both of their fantasy values. And um I'm going to agree that it will decrease both of their usages because like you said, they're both ball dominant players that need the ball in their hand, but I don't think it is, uh, it is hurting either one of the players as much as uh, the initial reaction has been from the fantasy basketball, uh, I guess, Twitterverse. Uh, a lot of people thinking Chris Paul falls out of the uh, top uh, first round. Then that Harden takes a huge hit and might be at the a late first round type of pick. Um, I really don't see it that way. I think they, they, like you said, we need to see how they're going to share the ball. But Chris Paul is an incredible, efficient, and, and actually very skilled shooter. And so him playing off the ball is actually something he can do. Uh, he hasn't had to do it, and he shouldn't have to do it because he's one of the best point guards, uh, if not the best point guard uh, of this generation. James Harden, on the other hand, can also play off the ball. So really, I think their games complement each other very well, and some of their other statistics like efficiency uh, will still go up, while Chris Paul, he really gets his value from his low turnovers, his efficiency, his steals, and uh, a lot of that won't go down. Uh, but both of their assist rates will probably uh, go down simply because their usage has to go down in this kind of two-point guard, uh, or two, like you are saying, you know, they're not really even positions anymore. Well, and offense assists are, are in some ways the most valuable category in fantasy in the sense that um, their assists are always kind of grouped into a subset of players, right? There are a lot of guys who get like one assist a game. So if you got a Chris Paul who's getting 10 assists a game almost every year, I mean, that's 10 times like the average power forward or center. Um, and so that will take their fantasy value down. I'll agree with that. Um, I just think that with the, with the shooting percentages that both guys shoot, like how bad can this really be? Yeah. Like they're still going to be supremely valuable players. If anything, it makes uh, – see, James Harden being guarded by the best player on the court or the best defender on the court, he'll still be guarded by the best defender on the court. But Chris Paul will be free, uh, and some of those teams, Chris Paul is just going to eat up. Or they'll they'll switch onto other people, and then the best defender will be on Paul, and then Harden will have the ball. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways D'Antoni can play with uh, the way he runs these two, uh, probably even running them um, where the, neither one of them ever leaves the court would probably be the smartest thing to do. Always having someone who can create and um, just be you know a floor general the entire time they're out there, uh, but. You said, you know, Chris Paul has always been a, a close to 10 assists a game type of guy. 
he take if he takes a hit there and Harden who led the league last year with a, a over 11 assists a game if he takes a hit there as well it does drop their um, it does drop their value but i still i still see both of them as a uh, you know in the in the top um 12 or like first round type of players i really do uh because i think they're both going to be a little bit better in certain categories uh harden's turnovers technically have to go down if uh, especially if he's not holding the ball that much um chris paul's still gonna get his steals so is so is james harden uh and i think their efficiencies will go up a little bit more with someone who's that skilled passing them the ball for easy baskets um yeah, I'm with you there. Um, what I've been trying to figure out is if there has ever been a team where two guys on the same team have gotten ten assists per game in a season. Now, with the with the way D'Antoni runs his offense, the fact that you are getting so many more possessions a game and that that is so incredibly valuable when it comes to fantasy basketball, that might be an interesting experiment. Uh, just to have them run the court and pass and just just run the entire time, um, which they basically did last year. I don't I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think it can happen. I don't think both of them will get ten assists per game every game. I mean that would be absolutely nuts. But the NBA has gone nuts, uh, so I don't know. It's going to be a very very interesting experiment in Houston. I've got another odd question for you. Sure. Why does basketball reference, okay, when they're the New Orleans before they were the Pelicans, they were the Hornets, right? So why in the world are they N-O-K as their abbreviation on basketball reference? Um, If you remember, I I actually know the answer to this. Um, If you remember the uh, season, I believe it was after Hurricane Katrina, where the stadium uh, that the New Orleans at the time uh, Hornets played, they could not uh, play in that stadium because the the city was devastated and the the stadium was devastated. It was was absolutely horrible. They actually had to go play in Oklahoma City. They played in Oklahoma City for one year. So they were the knock? Yes. They played in Oklahoma City for a year, came back, and then that actually led to Oklahoma City getting a team. They actually must have done that for two years because well, in be 2005, right. 2006, and 2006, 2007, they both say N-O-K. And for four years, he played for the Hornets. And then he went to L.A. I also have a draft-related one if you're interested in that. Um, yes. Okay, he was in the Recruiting Service Consensus Index rankings in 2003. Chris Paul was the sixth player. LeBron James was number one. I'm going to read you the other four players ahead of him. Luol Dang. One of the best of all time. Okay, so you know what I mean? At least he was a good NBA player. Okay, the next guy, Shannon Brown. Whoa. Remember him? I do know Shannon Brown because Shannon Brown is a a Chicago native. And um, a friend of mine, his, his only claim to fame that he won't shut up about is one time in a game, he actually blocked uh, Shannon Brown real hard off the backboard. And uh, he tells everyone that story. So, All right. The next guy 
who was ranked ahead of Chris Paul in these rankings. Nubdi Ebby from Houston, Texas. Uh, what? And the who? number. F- I've, I've never heard of that person in my life. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, and, not a real person. And the number five player and great fantasy option, Kendrick Perkins. Oh, boy. So that just goes. Oh, like, just, go ahead. Imagine a world where Kendrick Perkins was a good center. That's how far we are removed from that style of NBA uh, style of NBA, and that really wasn't that long ago. But it just goes to show you how crazy the draft can be, right? This was when they were all coming out of high school, I believe. That's true. Um, but like those players were ranked ahead of him. Like he's one of the greatest point guards of all time, and he was sixth behind one guy I've never heard of, and. One guy who's had a good NBA, long NBA career, but has never really been exceptional. And another guy who I think played in the league for like three or four years, didn't he? I mean, like Shannon Brown never really lasted that long. Uh, yeah, I think I don't think Shannon Brown plays in the league anymore. I think he's hovering around the, the D League or European League at this point. Um, oh, that's, that's I mean, my first draft point of the night. It, all, it doesn't he, always work out. But even so, like, you know, not, not even those rankings, just think about uh, coming out of college, Darren Williams was uh, more touted than, than Chris Paul as well. Um, they, I remember making a bet. I was, I'm from the central Illinois area, so I'm a fighting Illini fan. And I remember making a bet with my friend that, uh, the Illini would smoke, uh, Wake Forest and Chris Paul. And they, they certainly did, uh, which led to another bet of that Darren Williams would have a better NBA career than Chris Paul. And, uh, I've, I paid him about five years ago, so. You gave up? You just gave I, up? I gave up, though. I, I am considering uh, getting my money back because uh, as of this year, Darren Williams has played in an NBA final and Chris Paul has not. So oh, I'm considering yeah. asking for my money back. Give me your all back. Yeah, I'm not going to ask for my money back, but I'm considering it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, who Houston kind of adds now. I mean, they've obviously got some holes. They're going to have to renounce a lot of their players that they had options on, right, that they had the bird rights to, um, to make Chris Paul's salary fit into their scheme. Um, so this roster is really ever-changing. So once we get a clear picture in free agency, I think we'll be able to tell a little bit better on, you know, kind of where Chris Paul and James Harden will kind of fall in the rankings and what kind of stats we expect. Um, if they add another big guy like Paul George or Carmelo, I mean, you, you hear the rumors, you know, whatever, they're going to add someone big. Um that could obviously change things even more. Yeah, I'm starting to um, I'm starting to get a whiff, a whiff of bananas in the air. Do you do you smell that? There might be a there might be a little uh, some sort of banana boat uh, coming in the near future for maybe Houston or uh, maybe a different team uh, next year. If you uh, if you're following along, all the banana boat boys, uh, LeBron, Wade, Mello, and CP3 can all leave their team next year in fact most of them can leave their team this year and and it's uh, so, but that's kind of a one last hurrah situation right i mean like they're all getting to the point now where how many more good years do they have left especially with the amount of basketball most of them have played yeah i mean Melo still has a lot of skill but he's uh very very plainly on uh, on the decline 
Uh, LeBron's obviously LeBron. CP3, I think, could actually last for another three or four more years. Just his style of play isn't um, I'm the quickest guy on the court. It's more he's a little bit more uh, Greg Maddox and where he's always uh, changing pace at the right times in the right places. It always hits his spot. And that's right. I threw a, a Greg Maddox baseball reference in, even though I hate baseball. Um, and I'm surprised you knew who Greg Maddox was. I'm going to give you props for that. Yeah, I know uh, a lot about 90s baseball because I was into baseball back in the 90s. And now I have the attention span of of a 10 year old. So I'm, I only watch uh, sports that don't last four freaking hours. No comment on that. No, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I shouldn't say anything bad about baseball. If you like baseball, respect. Um, it's boring, but respect to you. Um, keep following that sport that only 80 year olds follow. Um, actually, I've heard it's a good getting a little bit of a, a youth revival. A lot of kids are watching it. I don't know why or they would ever would, but whatever. Because the Cubs, man, you should be into it. Uh, don't get me started with that's that. your one Chicago team you can root for. I'm not, um, I, I am from downstate, so I am a Cardinals fan. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you were a White Sox fan. Uh, no. You know a few White Sox fans, so I won't say anything super negative about the White Sox, but they are the the third bastard child that no one talks about. <laughs> so either Cubs or Cards, and then there's like a, a pocket of White Sox from the South Side. But I got a lot of friends from the South Side, so I won't talk shit because I've had a lot of fun at those. So the Sox games are a lot of fun. Um, all right, let's get back to the uh, basketball. We got a, a whole draft to uh, to break down. But there was a, another move, actually two moves, uh, that came out really in the last what, 24, 48 hours. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdan is apparently going to the Kings. Um, sounds like he will be um, an integral part in the rebuilding of the Kings. Um, do you care in a standard league? Do you give a shit? First, first thing I'll say, he's not the other dude's brother. Right. They're not related. They're from two completely different countries. Somehow. So unless their dad really gets around, they're not related. Um, secondly, um, will he matter? With the roster right now, he is a starting small forward. They don't have anybody else. They do not have any wing players. So him and Buddy Heald are the starting two wings, unless they're going to start Justin Jackson, who they just drafted. But I can't see that happening. So he is a starting wing player on their current roster. Um, Reports are that he is better than his not-brother, the other Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I think that he is a good shooter, probably. I think that he will uh, be a really – he's really good off screens. That's his, that's his kind of his thing. His claim to fame is he's really good off screens. Um, other things he's supposed to be good at, um, he is not athletic. So that's his big down thing is he's not really a very athletic player. He's also a pretty good playmaker, and he's supposed to be pretty good on defense, which is something the Kings need. Now, will that translate into defensive stats? I'm not sure. But – I think he's going to get enough minutes that he's probably going to be worth a pick in the back end of a standard league if you're needing a wing type guy. And I think um, there's your key point is that what does that roster look like? And a lot of these discussions, right, at this point in the season, right, what do those minutes look like when it comes down to the regular season? Is he uh, really the only guy they can go to on the wing? If so, well, here's 33 minutes and you are fantasy relevant. 
um, if you could really do hard, as long as you're not absolutely abysmal, you are I, fantasy relevant with over 30 minutes a game. And one thing I think will be good for him is I think he's probably good for, if he gets the minutes, like somewhere from two and a half to four assists a game. And that's big for, for a small forward type. Yeah. I'm actually kind of interested to see how that pans out. Um, I, I am interested in that in, in a standard fantasy league coming in next year. Um, it's really going to matter on how the Kings end up kind of putting their entire roster together. Um, second draft note from that move, the Kings renounced the, uh, they decided not to offer a qualifying offer to former number seven overall pick in the 2013 draft, Ben McElmore. So not all top 10 picks work out. You know what I smell from Ben McLemore? What? Chicago I th- Bulls? I think. What's that? What's that? A, a, a really, really bad player who you could take a probably a pretty cheap shot on to try to help him rebuild his career, but he'll end up being really bad. The Chicago Bulls trying to be the worst team. You smell that deep the Chicago pizza right there? Come on He's down gonna... to Chicago, Ben McLemore. <laughs> That to me actually, if the if the signing is right, if if it is a a two year with a team option, and uh, you know a lot of bullshit kind of Rondo esque uh, buyout deals and a bunch of other stuff, uh, not the worst idea. You know, Dion Waiters was left for dead, and now he's going to get paid. I will say uh-huh. this: like, bef- not not last year, and then not even the year before that, but the year before that, I actually. Liked Ben McMahon. I thought he had some nice athletic ability. Like I thought he looked like, okay, if, if this guy keeps working at it and can improve his jump shot and, and you know, he could have been a, a decent offensive player, but I mean, just nothing the last two yeah, years. I don't know if he just, there's no one trying to develop him there or if like Boogie would just drive to his house and, and threaten to, uh, to take everything he owns if he doesn't just give him the ball or, I have no idea. I have no idea that situation there because he he did seem like he's got an NBA body. Uh, he has an NBA shot. Why isn't he putting anything together? And he's just 24. So, I mean, he's not the worst person in the world to take a shot on. It's not like he's already Absolutely. like 28 or 29. I mean, if the Bulls took a shot on him, I would be for a cheap price. Now, if they give him a Mozgov contract, I mean, obviously that's a stupid move, but if the Bulls take a cheap shot on a guy like that, I don't think that's the worst move in the world, really. I I, I don't either. I'm actually uh, I'm going to push that one. Um, I think that's a, a decent idea, um, and also maybe a some sort of King uh, or Nets uh, Lakers trade where you take on a really bad contract, but you get a, a young asset or a future draft pick or something like that. That's probably the, uh, well, the he- future of the Bulls is a nice. Um, three years of being the worst team in the league. Um, that was my most recent article for the hashtag basketball, how the Lakers probably stuffed up that trade. Yeah. I mean, go, go to hashtag basketball.com right now. Go check out Tyler's latest. Um, what's the, uh, what's the name of that article? I'm looking for it. Um, the, the it Los Angeles Lakers trade recap. Yeah. There you go. Go check that out, plus a bunch of other excellent articles. You can uh, check out a, a very hilarious article that I wrote uh, about really good trades for Jimmy Butler, N- uh, none of which happened. Um, I actually got the trade right, in a, a, almost right, in my article, um, except for 
we did not give Minnesota the 16th pick for no freaking reason. And also we got Andrew Wiggins back. So not the same trade at all. Oh, man. Definitely not the same trade. Um, and that was a kind of a uh, – honestly, a joke trade um, because I don't think uh, – Wiggins is a little steep uh, 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 of an ask, I think, with all those other assets. But Speaking of that, are you on board with the fact that I am? That not only did your team make the worst move on draft night, they made the two worst moves on draft night? Um. Well, all right. You, I said I wasn't going to rant about this, but here it comes. If, if you are actually rebuilding, if you are saying, if you're saying we are going to go rebuild, we decided because uh, I knew a lot of people when it comes to the Bulls that the answer was we need to rebuild. We need to trade Jimmy for a bunch of assets, future assets, future draft picks, and get something back for him. And we need to rebuild. I don't know hardly anyone who's mad about the direction on rebuilding. I know everyone. Everyone who I know is mad about how we are rebuilding and who is rebuilding that team. Because looking at what we did in the draft, for some reason we gave up the 16th pick. There's no reason we would need to have done that. And then we sold the 38th pick to Golden State for $3.5 million. If you were trying to rebuild, wouldn't you rather take a shot on a player instead of getting $3.5 million cash. And that is exactly the problem with the Chicago Bulls. It's the Reinsdorfs uh, who are best friends with Garpax, who is completely and utterly terrible at his job. He's uh, asleep at the wheel and not, not not doing anything. And then Paxson, who probably should move on from the whole organization. Um, this is the issue with the Chicago Bulls. Oh, oh, they are not I- rebuilding. They are just trying to make money. Sell the it, team. It gets worse. It gets worse. They got the steal of the draft in that pick, too. Because that dude is literally one of the top two or three defenders in this draft. And a pretty damn good draft class, I think. Yeah. And that dude can guard anybody one through five. Okay? If that guy can get any kind of shot at all, that dude is going to be a really good player. And the first tip should have been when the NBA championship team comes to you and says, we'll give you $3.5 million. They just did this last year with that Pat McCall, who played 15 of their 17 playoff games. He played in 15 of their 17 playoff games this playoff season. So They just did the same thing last year. It should have been a red flag to the Bulls, like, holy smokes, we got a guy that's actually worth a crap in the second round. So I think you're Let's actually not making – sell it. A little bit of a mistake. You're, I think you're giving the Bulls too much credit because this would assume that the Bulls actually drafted Jordan Bell and then the Warriors came and said, hey, we'll buy this pick off of you because we really want Jordan Bell. That would assume that the Bulls actually scouted players in the second round and actually did their due diligence in looking into players they could take with that pick. That is definitely not what happened. The Bulls definitely didn't look at Jordan Bell. They had no idea what they were talking about. And the Warriors called them up and said, hey, we'll give you $3.5 million for that uh, 38th pick. And the Bulls were like, that's pretty much the most money you can get for that pick. Huzzah, let's drink uh, Johnny Walker and go to bed early. And <laughs> instead, the Warriors, who know what they are doing, who are scouting players in the second round, even though – uh, they didn't have a pick in this area. They went out 
and found Jordan Bell and knew he was available at that spot and went to the Bulls and go, yeah, they're cheap. They'll they'll take the money and got Jordan Bell. They didn't approach the Boston. They didn't approach the 76ers with the picks right before that. Um, they approached the Bulls because they knew the Bulls are cheap. There's no way the Bulls actually scouted that guy. The Golden State Warriors did their digital. And the Golden State Warriors made that pick. The Bulls did not. That's interesting. I never really even thought about that. But it would make sense because that was the dumbest move. I That was the second dumbest move on draft night. The Bulls made them both, if you ask me. Yeah. The two stupidest moves two. were both made by Chicago. And this was right after I said they were good at drafting. Guess not. I mean, the, it's the third worst move of the night is taking uh, Lowry Markkinen, seventh overall, when you still have Dennis Smith and Malik Monk on the board? Is that the third uh, worst idea of the draft? I mean, it's not, it was not Butler for Chris Dunn bad, but it's it, it, you still had assets on the board that, that can were, play that in the athletic, athletic NBA. There were worst picks. That Bam Abadeo going 14th being one of them. Yeah, and, and Justin Patton going 16th being another one of them. Yeah, also a bad pick. And also, um, I don't know about that DJ Wilson either. Uh, maybe, but I, I didn't like that pick either. Um, so let's, we're talking about the draft. I'm done with my rant. Uh, everybody's saying, hey, we're listening to this podcast, not to hear you rant. We're listening to this podcast to talk about fantasy basketball and the draft. Um, I know there's a lot of dynasty uh, players out there, and if you're listening to fantasy basket podcasts right now, in the middle of the offseason, you're probably in a dynasty league. And so luckily, while I was in my coma, Tyler – uh, did his research and actually uh, broke the, the the dynasty ratings down for this year's draft. So um, let's let's just tackle this draft. Let's let's start at the top. Um, do you want to start at the top of your rankings, or do you want to go um, start at the top of the actual draft? I think let's let's go with your rankings. All right. Um, well, it's the same player to start things off. Um, oh wow, that, that was very top, easy. The top player. Um, in my dynasty rankings, is Markel Fultz. Um, Fultz was great at blocking shots at Washington for, a, I mean, for, especially for a point guard. I mean, the guy averaged one point two blocks a game. Um, he's got a real good chase down block. He kind of looks like LeBron James when he does it. It is freaky. It is awesome. Um, he's got everything you want in a fantasy asset. He can shoot the three. He made two point one three pointers a game last year at Washington on forty one percent. He can assist. He can steal. He can block. He can score 23 points a game at Washington. I mean, he was literally probably the only NBA, even sniffing NBA player on that team, um, which was to his help in the sense that they wanted to feed him the ball all the time, but to his detriment that it cost him things like assists and floor space because no one tried to guard anyone else. They all went and tried to guard Fultz, and he still scored 23 points a game. Um, I think the dude's a special talent. I think you should take him number one in your dynasty. Um, I think it's pretty hard to I think it's pretty hard to argue with that. Uh, Fultz was an amazing player, averaging uh, over twenty three points a game in college, and we we know that that scoring translates uh, into NBA talent. Um, Fultz going to the the seventy sixers, and I'm just going to throw even more shade out there on Danny Ainge making a terrible choice. Uh, coming into this draft, every single person had Fultz number one. No one was moving him from the number one spot. No one was considering Lonzo Ball at number at number one. 
And suddenly, the Boston Celtics trade their pick, and everybody's like, well, maybe this draft isn't that good. Maybe all these players are actually could be good, but we don't know who's good, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. Danny Ainge probably made a huge mistake uh, passing on Markel Fultz just so he can have more draft picks to look at because uh, he's obsessed with draft picks and not making a move. He couldn't make a move on Jimmy Butler, and he went for trash. Um, so Danny Ainge wasn't going to drop in the ball on Markel Fultz. Um, I don't think I can argue against him being the number one in a dynasty draft. Uh, I think I can make an argument for Lonzo Ball being number one in a dynasty draft. Um, and that is simply because Lonzo Ball, um, where he is positioned – and who he is positioned to be in the Lakers' offense from now until uh, at least eight years from now. Uh, Fultz is going to have to uh, share the ball with Embiid and Simmons, and, and there's a lot of hands to feed in, in that offense while design an offense around Lonzo Ball. The guy has insane range. He's great floor general when it comes to see, just seeing the floor and making the right pass and making assists. And those assists, like we've said with Chris Paul, are very uh, valuable when it comes to fantasy basketball. And Lonzo Ball is also a really good rebounder for a guard. Uh, as, at 6'6", he's going to be a very interesting point guard. And uh, he could be uh, the best player that, that comes out of this draft in the long term. The thing about Ball is he could also be really bad. Uh, he, he His game might not translate to NBA. His shot might not translate to the NBA. He might not be able to handle himself against all these quick players. I, I There is a, still a big question mark there, where with Fultz, I don't think there is a question mark there at all. I think everybody knows Fultz is going to be a pretty good player. So I, I don't think you could go wrong taking Fultz at number one, but I think you should consider Lonzo Ball at number one as well. Um, Everyone talks about Lonzo Ball as a great shooter. Um. I don't know that that's the case. Oh, let's 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 hear the. Uh, you you made the claim about the, the, jump, shot, the jump shot. Okay, he's got he's a messed a, up jump shot. He's a dominant right hand dribble. Okay, now he brings the ball all the way to his left ear to shoot it. Okay, so instead of like a high releasing arc like Kevin Durant has, because Kevin Durant brings the ball to the left side of his head as well. Okay, but it's the ball is above his head when he shoots it. Okay, this guy brings it to his left ear. Okay, if I just wait with my hand at your left ear, I think I can block that shot. Okay, and real NBA players will pick up on that almost immediately. And so I don't know that that's going to be good. Okay, second point, he shot sixty-seven point three percent from the free throw line. And if you go back to like in, in Draft Express, they kind of scout other games, like other big games, other showcases, all that stuff. Um, if you look, they say he's like a seventy percent free throw shooter. What really, really amazing shooter shoots like 70% from the foul line? That's a pretty good point. And so everyone always wants to tell me, oh, he's a phenomenal shooter. Yeah, okay, he shot 41.3% last year at UCLA. Um, maybe it was a fluke. You know, I mean, it was only 36 games. We've seen guys get hot in half an NBA season too, haven't we? And then they come crashing back to the floor. Um, I don't know that he's the greatest shooter as everyone thinks. I do think the minutes and the assists are going to make him fantasy relevant. I'm not saying that he's complete garbage. I think he's going to get minutes and he's going to get assists. 
but I'm not certain. I think he's going to shoot a bad field goal percentage. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't shoot a great three-point percentage. I don't think he's going to shoot a great free throw percentage. I don't know that I'm all in on this guy. That's a good point. If you are um, if you are taking someone in a dynasty league and you have the number one pick, you might not want to choose uh, the guy with question marks. I think that's a great point. Um, I also think simply by the fact that Lonzo Ball was the, the, the second draft pick in this draft, and a lot of people have him as a second draft pick of this draft all over the all over the Draft Express, NBA Draft.com, all the all the different ranking sites. Um, kind of goes to show that like this kid has something special, even with a messed up jump shot. Um, it's not going to hinder him. It's not going to get him out of the league in two years. He's he not going to be kicked much, out of the league in two years. He has a much higher ceiling um, than the other two point guards we're going to talk about. Um, I think that he may even have a higher ceiling than Markel Fultz. Um, but there's also some. There's definitely a little bit more safety in a Marco Foles pick, number one. And I'm actually – I've thought about this a little bit. I tinkered with the idea of having the next two players I'm going to name ahead of Ball in the in the dynasty rankings. And I stuck with Ball because of that upside that he becomes a, a great NBA player. He becomes the next Chris Paul. There is a percent That's, chance that, that, is that a, happens. That is, a, um, that is a high praise. There is a percent chance that that happens, whereas some of these other guys, there's a no percent chance that they become Chris Paul. That is true. But there's also a percent chance that he becomes uh, Brandon Jennings, someone like that, like someone who's okay, he's played the league for. Well, see, because I, I like could you see like out out of the league here? I mean, like how many years has he been in? Like four or five now. Yeah, and he's on his way out of the league. Yeah, I think this guy's going to have a career, but it's going to be of maybe – there's a percent chance that he's a backup at some point, like a Brandon Jennings is now, like where he – I mean, Brandon Jennings, a lot of it was the Achilles, but he was never really a starter to begin with, in my, in my opinion. He was yeah, never even – though, Even though Brandon Jennings did drop, what, 70 points in one game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. Ball might do that, and then uh, that's actually an interesting bust, uh, bust um, kind of comparison. And saying Ball is so good that there's just no, there's no way he's out of the league like Michael Carter Williams in a few years. But Brandon Jennings could be his worst case scenario, and I think that's almost dead on when you start thinking about how Brandon, how good Brandon Jennings was, was as a rookie, and then what happened to him after that. And and I bring up Chris Paul because I don't want people to think he's a Russell Westbrook type point guard. Like I don't really ever see him being a huge scorer. He's a pass first guy, and so I, I think he's more of a, a an assist first point guard like Chris Paul than he is a, a kind of score first point guard like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and you you made a good point before uh, when we were talking before the show. Uh, Lonzo Ball is going to go pretty high in drafts simply because he's a Laker and people are obsessed with Lakers. People thought D'Angelo Russell was going to be an All Star last year. That was laughable. Uh, so Lonzo Ball, will, I, I honestly would take Lonzo Ball first in a redraft league, but you're probably not going to pay the correct price for him, which would be in the last you know three rounds, four rounds of your draft. You're probably um, not going to be able to pay that price for him. I would. Uh, and then we can talk about this. Um, the the upside, the the best case scenario for 
a rookie in in most cases there a rookie falls usually somewhere around the top 50 but just outside the best rookie in fantasy so if you're paying a top 50 pick for any rookie you're paying too much you are doing it wrong in, in a redraft league now yeah, i mean in a redraft league do not reach um in a keeper league in a dynasty league different story so if you see Lonzo Ball ranked at number 50 at the start of the season, you can have him because I'm not going to have yeah. him. You can also delete those rankings. Whatever um, website you are looking at, you can just ignore those rankings because that's a terrible ranking. Um, and once we get more settled, obviously, I mean, we're going to have lots of podcasts where we talk about, about rankings and where we have players and how we view players. Um I would guess, and, and this is kind of a, a first glance before free agency comes. Um, well, I'll, I'll let you speak first, and then and then I'll say what I think about about where I would take any of these rookies. Highest rookie on your board as of today, assuming most things stay the same, which we know free agency will be crazy for my redraft league. Yeah, like what number, relatively speaking? How many? How many? Uh, how many of them will actually get drafted, or should be drafted? Yeah, like should be drafted in your rankings. You know what I mean? Not like how many will ESPN have because it'll be like 10 and that'll be a mistake. Um, four and a half. I am going to say that should be drafted will be at least four. Um, with the potential of there being a, a fifth if yeah. – you I just see a giant minutes hole open for someone. There's that, like, like there's got to be an outlier out there, but I would only actually with, with my last pick take that fourth person. I probably wouldn't take that fifth person. I'm with you. Um, let's we we kind of focused on Fultz and Ball pretty heavily because they are probably the most important to rookies in this draft for both redraft leagues and uh, especially dynasty leagues. But who do you have third on your dynasty rankings? Um, so I was back and forth on this one. Um, they're two point guards. They're Dennis Smith Jr. and they're De'Aaron Fox. They're my three. Of wow. um, I ended up siding with Smith Jr. Because I think his game is going to translate a little bit better to fantasy, number one. And number two, I trust the Mavericks a lot more than I trust the Kings. That's a, that is a, a great point. And, and Dennis Smith went number nine. In the draft, and De'Aaron Fox went number five in the head. So you have them three and four in your in your dynasty draft. Yes, things important to remember about Fox. Um, he was the top point guard coming out of high school before he tore his ACL, ahead of Fultz, ahead of Ball, and ahead of Fox. He was the number one ranked point guard coming out of high school. Dennis Smith was? Yes. Wow. So and that's he's a fun... He still had a, a very good year at NC State. And this is important to say, it was his first year back from an ACL. We've seen a lot of guys in the past kind of struggle a little bit that first year back from an ACL, and then when they stay healthy, do a lot better the next season, right? Am I wrong about that? I mean, I, I, I can say that's, that's a usual – either they kind of like recover like a, like a freak, like a Westbrook, or there's like kind of a whole year of them – struggling to get back into that explosiveness. And that was this year for him. And that team was kind of a mess. They ended up firing their coach partway through the year, I believe, and things just kind of went crazy. 
Um, if you ask me, this this guy is more Russell Westbrook than he is Chris Paul. He's a really explosive athlete. He loves to get to the rim. He loves to score. Uh, he's really fun to watch. He's a highlight maker. He is a guy that you will flip on Sports Center and see him doing something good if Rick Carlisle decides to play him. And Rick Carlisle does not often play rookies very much, so that will be something to follow during the preseason. Yeah, that that would be that would be rough for redraft leagues. He was not. Uh, he was probably my half. Uh, him and uh, Malik Monk are probably my my uh, half uh, vote for redraft leagues. But um, I think Dennis Smith. Uh, everything you read about him, everything you hear about him, is that. Not only is he, he tough, uh, is he tough, he's very competitive, uh, and he thinks he can be the best. And those are the, those are the exact traits you want in someone who is going to have a career in the NBA. Um, and so getting put on the Mavericks on a real franchise with, uh, with, a, with you know, real ownership and especially probably one of the top, you know, four coaches in the league right now uh, couldn't have been a better situation for him. Uh, I, I like that pick uh, at, at three, and uh, I, I want to keep an eye on him in my redraft league as well. Um, now, this one, this next one is is probably kind of a a bit of a gamble, right? At four, uh, having Fox because a lot of people will say he can't shoot, and that's not wrong. He cannot shoot right now, um, but if we can see Brooke Lopez develop a shot, now hold on. Why can this guy not do it? Let's let's not compare uh, De'Aaron Fox with Brooke Lopez. Um, if anything, oh, you might want to compare Brooke him Lopez with someone like Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose didn't have a really good shot. His shot got better, but it never got good. And when it comes to point guards, not having a shot in today's NBA just kills you. Look at what happened to Rajon Rondo. Um, Michael Carter-Williams, like we said, is almost out of the league because he can't shoot. Um, all the other Bulls point guards can't shoot, so they should all also be out of the league too. Um, even Rubio, who has um, just godlike vision, is staying afloat in the NBA only for that reason and his okay defense, uh, but he doesn't have a shot. And that, that really kills you from being a, a great player. But see, but this is fantasy we're talking about. Okay? Correct. This is actual basketball. Rubio is an underrated fantasy asset every year. Why? Because he gets a ton of assists and he gets a ton of steals. Who cares that he shoots shit percentages? Okay? Unless it's a, a roto league where you can't afford it, right? True, but I don't that think anyone's matter so much. I don't think I've heard anyone saying that DeAndre Fox has a has godlike vision on the court. But he's also much, much faster than Ricky Rubio. Okay. So if, and he's a good pick and roll player in the sense that he can make a mid range jump shot, I think, in the NBA. So he's not as bad a shooter as someone like Rajon Rondo. Yes. He's not just get to the cup, he just he, can't make a three pointer right now. Is he worse than a shooter than Alfred Payton? Is he a worse shooter than Alfred Payton? Probably not. They're probably pretty comparable at this point. But he's also 19, and I think he could get a little bit better than Alfred Payton is now at some point. I like um, 
Alfred Payton kind of kind of a lot, and he always tricks me into into getting him on my team, and then he always uh, you just like shoot, the hair shoots really poorly. He does have the best hair in all of basketball. But um, if if he is a better if he could do Alfred Payton like things and be a better shooter than Alfred Payton, then you, you in the long term you are talking about someone who has actually very um, very good fantasy value. And that's what I mean. This this guy and I wouldn't want him this year in a redraft league a ton, but he could be getting so many minutes that he might be useful. So yeah, he I, is my number three in my redraft rankings. Uh, and for the exact reason you just said, he's also still a little small and a little like they, they say he's got a lot of defensive potential, and I don't disagree with that. But I don't think you're going to see a ton of it next year. I think he's going to kind of look bad because he's still a little small and he's still a little raw in on the defensive end. If you, in my opinion, I like that. You should. That's a good rap. Good rap lyric. <laughs> um, so I I won't go too much more into that because I, I think. I think that we're we're kind of going to run out of time if we if we keep going so long on everyone. True. So, uh, who, so let's uh, let's keep going. We we do have uh, we'll do a little bit more lightning round. Uh, right now you have Fultz Ball followed by Dennis Smith and De'Aaron Fox in your dynasty rankings. Uh, let's get through the top ten. So who do you have at number five? Um, this is going to be a man close to your heart. I think it's going to be Jonathan Isaac. Ooh. And the nice thing about Isaac is he's going to be a steals and a blocks guy. He's not going to be a great scorer, but he's going to be a triple one type guy. He's going to probably get a steal, a block, and a three at some point in his career. And you know how much we love those kind of guys, Mike. True. I love my uh, at least a steal and a block a guy a game. Um, and looking at Isaac, uh, he's probably someone who could have more than a steal, more than a block a game. Uh, that Orlando Magic team is kind of a mess still. Who knows where where that goes, but I don't see why he wouldn't be uh, getting actually pretty decent minutes in Orlando. Do you do you think he's redraft valuable? Um, probably not in the sense that I don't know that he's super ready to play his two best positions, which are power forward and center. Um, Aaron Gordon is going to be there, just stealing some minutes of power forward. He's still a little small to be a center now. Obviously, with the way the NBA is going, he can fit in some situations like. Um, but I think he's still a little raw, not super into him for next year, but in the long term, I think he's going to be pretty darn good. I, um, I'm right on the uh, same page with you with Jonathan Isaac. I, I really like that guy. I think he's could be really good in the long term. Who do you have at number six? Uh, Jason Tatum from Duke. Ooh, excellent. And he, to me, not at all interested in him in a redraft league because he's on the Boston Celtics, but uh, a ton of talent. A ton of talent, a good score, um, just really, really good score. I think he's going to be a good score in the NBA, and points are always pretty valuable, especially when it comes with some defensive stats, which I think he's going to be able to do when he gets big minutes. Cool. Who do you got at number seven? Um, this one might be a surprise to you, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about what happened today. Um, it's Frank Nilakina. Whoa, Frank Nilakina over Josh Jackson. Yeah. Um, Why do you, what, what is your reasoning behind that? He is a better shooter as a point guard than both Dennis Smith and De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think that he will eventually – now, he's only 18, so I am not at all interested in this guy in a redraft league. I know he's on the Knicks. I know someone's going to pick him. 
I'm 100% positive it's a mistake unless the Knicks trade everybody and just decide he's playing 40 minutes a night. And even then, it could still be a disaster because he is just, I don't think, ready to play in the NBA. Super, super raw from every everything that everybody says. And I, I don't know why they would hand over the Knicks offense to an 18-year-old kid unless he just has um, absolute brilliance. Uh, flashes of brilliance during the year, but uh, I don't see him getting more than 20 minutes a game. But if you're building an offense, right, and with him and Porzingis, I mean, I think they're going to be a great fit. I think they're going to be good in the pick and roll. This guy can play off the ball a little bit as kind of a spot-up shooter. I just really like this kid's talent. Um, it's a couple years away probably from really manifesting itself, but I think he's my number seven player in this draft. And really the best news uh, coming out of the New York is that the triangle is dead. Uh, Phil Jackson basically fired, uh, pulling off one of the greatest um, feats of all time, showing that he truly could make the Knicks worse and take all of their money while doing it. So props to Phil Jackson uh, for still being the Zen master and getting paid. (laughs) Um, All right, so moving on. Number eight is Josh Jackson. Um, I think you like him maybe a little more than I do. So do you have anything you want to say about him? I do. I just think uh, defensively he could be kind of a stud, and I, I think people are sleeping a, a little bit on his offensive ability. He's a good rebounder, um, and I, I think the Suns know that they're going to want to build around this guy, and I think he gets a lot more minutes this year than uh, than people think. Well, see, now we're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum here. Because I think that they're I know gonna, it's crowded there, but I I, I think they'll go with him um, over T.J. Warren. I I think so. Or do you think they're going to make him a four? Because I don't think he's a four. That's the thing that worries me the most. He played so much four in college and was successful, but he's not any kind of four in the NBA. I don't think he's. A, I don't think he is a four. And um, so. I think the way T.J. Warren played last year, I think they're going to give him the minutes and. This guy's already 20 years old. He's a little bit older than some of these other guys, um, which it always kind of worries me a little bit when an older guy – like there's two ways to look at the coin, right? Was it an older guy taking advantage of just younger, immature, inexperienced players and he wasn't really that good? Or was it, okay, he developed his game and now he's this much better, but there's still so much more ceiling – to go that he could keep yeah. developing and keep getting better. I mean, he's um, not, he's, 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 he's a little over 20. So it's not like you're looking at that worries me, senior, you know, the thing that worries me the most 56.6% from the free throw line. That's pretty brutal. A terrible free throw shooter, which leads me to believe that 51% from the field and 37.8% from three point line are not coming to the NBA. If you shoot chat percentages, I don't know what he's going to do other than maybe steal and a block, but I don't think he's going to get a three a game. He got a three a game in college in 30 minutes. I don't think that's coming to the NBA. Yeah, I, I can, I would agree with that. I, I, I think he just uh, has so much uh, raw defensive talent and the Suns really, you know, what, are the, Suns, what are the Suns plans this year to make the playoffs? Doubt it. Uh, I am pretty sure they're going to want to, Builder on him instead of someone like T.J. Warren. Uh, but I could be wrong. I, I mean, that's pure speculation at this point. In my opinion, he will be a better real-life player than NBA, or than fantasy player. I don't think he's ever going to be that good in fantasy. 
Just yeah, I think that's a good point. He's going to shoot bad percentages, and he's not going to make that many threes. And that's hard to live with in this NBA. That's a very good point. Was he uh, number eight on your list? He was number eight. All right, let's run out that top ten. Who do um, you have in number nine? Um, number nine is Zach Collins. I went for this one just because I think he's got a lot more ceiling than a couple of the other guys that are a little bit lower. Um, I think the other guys will be a little bit better this year. I think he's kind of a powered forward center hybrid guy. Um, he was pretty good at protecting the rim last year in only 17 minutes. It was weird that they, they had a senior that they decided to play over him, so he really didn't get that much playing time. Um, why that was, I, I don't really know because I think he was a much better player than the senior. Uh, a lot of people will tell you he's a real good three-point shooter because he shot 47% last year at Gonzaga. That was on 21 attempts. So the big question for me is, is he a three-point shooter in the NBA? Is he a willing three-point shooter in the NBA? And can he actually make them if he is? Um, I don't know the answer to either question. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm interested to see what his role is on this team. Um, I mean, at this point, it's backup center. And if there really is a talent there, he he apparently is uh, fairly athletic for uh, for his size. I'm not sure fantasy wise he'll ever be he'll be great especially if he can't uh go out to that three point range but uh it gives the portland kind of a i think a pretty interesting um i think the interesting part is if he can right he yeah should, that's what i'm saying it gives them an interesting dynamic because if they're playing nurkic nurkic is just your 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 back to the basket kind of pick and roll a uh, big man. Uh, Zach Collins gives him a little bit more uh, an ability to spread the floor out, make more room for Dame and, and CJ. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, my number 10 guy was Malik Monk. I think he's best suited as a six man, which is why I held him to number 10. Um, he's a guy who, I, I won't say that he is Jamal Crawford, but he could have a similar career to Jamal Crawford. He could be kind of a scoring six man off the bench. He's a good shooter who could play in the NBA for – 12, 15 years, but never really be that valuable fantasy player. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Malik Monk. I think he will be a very good player. Uh, him and Dennis Smith are my uh, my half redraft. Uh, you did not mention my number four in my in, in the re, in my redraft rankings. Oh, all right, go ahead. The great, the savior, the one and only, Lowry Markinen playing 36 minutes a game on the worst team in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls. Um, so Markinen is actually the next guy in my rankings at number 11. I think he's going to be a great shooter. I won't count out his defense yet in the sense that a lot of guys who played for Arizona under their coach have not shown a lot of defensive stats and then actually shown them in the NBA. Um, arguably, I just named off the two best shooters in this draft in Bunk and Markinen. Some people think those are literally the two best shooters in this draft. And they and you have them 10th and 11th in your dynasty rankings. But the thing that worries me about both of them is what are you going to get in assists, steals, and blocks? Yes. I think that's kind of the um, the difficult situation between both of those. Are they just out there to shoot the ball? If that's their only role, um, then they aren't going to be filling up the stat box. They aren't going to give you that one-and-one in steals and blocks that you're looking for. Um, I think uh, at least Larry Markinen – um, has the ability to um, get rebounds just because of his size, but, but he's, he's not known. He's not known as a passer. 
Uh, he's not known as a as someone who's athletic enough to block, be a rim protector and block shots. Uh, he's he's kind of a one dimensional player, um, similar to a lot of the other guys that you see on your waiver wire. And here's the thing that worries me in in a redraft league: he's a little soft. He doesn't want to get down there and bang bang bodies for rebounds. I'm, I'm or for so players. happy that he went to the Bulls. Um, so happy about it. And and maybe he can can kind of become a man in in the next three months, six months. I, I mean, since the last season, I don't know that, but I'm betting probably not. Well, my guess is that, um, and actually, I, I want him to play around 34, 35 minutes a game because uh, one, I'd like to see if he's uh, any good, and number two, if he's bad, great, we're gonna get a better draft pick. Um, I made so, this comparison a couple times during the draft season, and this is kind of the player I think he might be. He might be Channing Frye. That's an inter- that, yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Channing Frye is just hanging out on the three-point line. Um, but in real because, life NBA, right? That's a, I mean, like, that's not a terrible draft pick. He's a, he is a, uh, he is bigger than uh, Channing Frye, and I think he's probably a little bit more uh, mobile than Channing Frye, uh, at least as now. But Channing Frye, um, I'm not talking about today's Channing Fry. I'm talking about the it, career of Channing Fry. The whole thing. Yeah, true. He he at least played a couple minutes in this finals at an old age. So, um, but yeah. So I mean, it, I think that's a good draft pick, right? I mean, like that's the guy's played in the NBA for a long time. And maybe not at like, seven. Okay, yeah, fourteen or so. That I, well, that, and that's I was kind of thinking he was going to be at the back of that top ten, like ten, eleven, twelve. I thought that's where I I expected him to go. A lot of people had him there. Um, and and I was making the case that the Kings, when if they kept pick ten, should pick him, just because I think that there's a lot of safety in Laurie Markkinen, that he's going to be an NBA player for a while. Yeah, and the Bulls often make those types of pick. I think I was saying a lot of the players that they pick, even usually they're picking in the latter half of the draft. Uh, they pick guys like Taj Gibson, uh, a guy who is safe but who will be an NBA player. And when you're looking at bottom half of the draft, that's a great place to pick those types of guys. Uh, at number seven, when you have just raw potential and, and, and Dennis Smith and, and Frank Nikolika, uh, that's not how you say his name. So I'm going to butcher that one. Tika I'm going to look it up later. Nilakina. Nilakina. Frank Nilakina. Frank Tilakina. Nilakina. I heard the N is silent. I read that somewhere. Frank Nilakina, so. Dennis Smith, I... Malik Monk, all those guys, even even Zach Collins. Um, you have the the potential of those guys. Uh, I'm not sure Laurie Markin is the the right guy. And, and also, like you said, dynasty rankings, you have him at 11. Uh, is there any other uh, 12, 12 through 15? Uh, should should we list those out real quick? Um, so I will say that number 12 is probably number four in my redraft rankings right now. Um, it's John Collins. He went to the Hawks. Um, the Hawks just got rid of Howard. They are probably getting rid of Millsap. And this guy showed the ability to block a shot and score quite a few points at Wake Forest last year. He had 19.2 points in 26.6 minutes. Um, and he's a real good rebounder too. So this guy could be in line for a lot of minutes and could actually end up being worth it this year in a standard league just because he's getting a boat ton of minutes. Yeah, he could be um, very interesting. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him for sure. I think he might be a a Zach Randolph or Julius Randle type player, and that I don't know the defensive stats are going to be great, and he might just be a points and rebounds guy. 
but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see. What, I'm I'm excited to see this guy in the summer league. See how good he looks against some of the other guys, especially on defense. Um, so rest of my top fifteen here. I got Donovan Mitchell at thirteen. I, I like Donovan Harry. Mitchell a lot. Yeah, and a I wing. Think... Wings wings stick around, right? Definitely. Um, Harry Giles at fourteen. N- nobody barring the top three or four guys has as much upside as Harry Giles. If he can stay and healthy. These are, not good right now, but if they get better, I mean, Steph Curry hurt his ankle how many years in a row until he didn't hurt his ankle again. That's a very good point. And, and, and a lot of his injuries, I mean, he, he's bounced back. Um, well, younger guys often bounce back from injuries, but Harry Giles has a very long list of injuries. And I'm with you, but at this point, I'm going. F- I'm shooting for the moon, right? Because we don't know that any of these players are going to be NBA players. True. And- the, re- the the rest of this list, once you get to 15 in a dynasty draft, uh, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So you 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 would rather go on potential than um, than someone who could be like, oh, I I got the next Chris Duhan who was re- relevant for like three seasons. So exactly. So that's why I'm going for Giles there. Um, my next guy is Jared Allen. He's going to the Nets. They just traded away Brooke Lopez. This guy is another one who could be relevant this year if they decide to give him big minutes. Um, I was actually a proponent of Jared Allen over guys like Bam Abadeo, Justin Patton, all those guys. I thought Jared Allen was the best kind of true center in this draft. And I just like his athletic ability, his ability to rebound. He's still a little small, so I'm not in love with him next year. But if he's getting big minutes, he could be worth it. He's number 15. Um, And then the rest of my top 20, I'll just give it to you. It's OG Ananobi. It's Luke Kennard. It's DJ Wilson, it's TJ Leaf, and then the surprising last two are Jordan Bell and Juwan Evans. Going deep for the for the final ones. Uh, I don't think you mentioned Terrence Ferguson. I am not in love with Terrence Ferguson. I think he could be a another uh, Dante uh, Dante Exum uh, type of type of guy. I know that's kind of just lumping him in with the only other Australian league player to ever join the league. Um, Terrence Ferguson is just. I mean, I'll admit that. I've seen a lot more tape on a lot of the other guys because it's a little bit easier to find. Um, and not, I'm, I'm talking not just like highlight films. Like, I mean, you can find highlight films on anyone, but that's the, that's your best plays. So it's, it's hard to get a good read on those type of stuff. Um, he committed to Alabama, which that kind of worried me a little bit in the first place. Like, that was a strange school to commit to. And then he obviously went to and played in Australia. Um, I will admit that I'm not, and the things, the parts that I saw, I was not in love with him. But uh, I mean, if you have something you want to say about him, go ahead. Um, he's uh, a winner. No, I think he's a he's definitely uh, young enough to develop into someone who is interesting and in playing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, um, Westbrook is an is another uh, kind of an interesting uh, detail because they do need really anyone who could play along with um, Russell Westbrook. So I just so, think it's someone to watch, someone who is interesting, but I don't have a ton of hopes for him. I'm just, what I'll say. I'm just surprised he's outside of your top 20. Here's what I'll say other than um, what I just said, okay? The leader in PER in the Australian League. You want to guess who that was? In the Australian League? He used to play for the Bulls. Was it Steve Stephen Deladova, Matthew's brother? No, Cameron Bearstow. Oh, the Bearstow, the okay. man, the top. myth, the legend, Cameron Bearstow. Good for him. Top, 
One of the top scoring performances was done by a guy named Bryce Cotton. I don't know if you remember him, he got picked a couple of years ago and was like about five six and played a couple of years in the summer league and could I, never make I, it to the NBA. I do not remember that person. Okay. So my point in saying this is those are some not really NBA guys, right? I mean, we agree with that. Like that is not the is not the Euro leagues. This is kind okay. Of doing, so. This guy got fifteen point two minutes a game and averaged four point six points in the Australian league. That is not good. Now you can say he's eighteen years old and blah 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 blah. I didn't love the film, and when you play that much in that league, I'm not in love with you. I'm sorry. I think that's fair. That's a fair um, fair assessment. Um, but just turned uh, 19, so potential is there, but don't don't get your hopes up, everybody. And if you're um, looking for a complete shot in the dark, the guy I will admit to have seeing almost no film on is Andres Pashesnik, the center who went to the 76ers at pick 25. Um, that's the guy I don't know a ton about. So I do not know anything about that guy. He is seven two. Uh, he is almost 22. Um. Yeah, I don't really. I don't know too much about him either. So that's, so, that's but you know the the seventy sixers they do like to get a little uh, well, frisky with their with their. Guys. The thing and that worries that- with me about that pick is he's got Embiid, he's got Okafor, he's got um. Oh man, the guy just slipped out of my mind. Guy who played good in limited minutes last year. Dario. No, no, no. Center. Oh man, seventy sixers. Yes. Um, young kid, mm. youngish, like picked like two years ago in the draft. I was like Jordan Holmes. Oh yeah, forget about Jordan Holmes. That's his name, right? Rashawn Holmes. That's it. Rashawn Holmes. My bad. Rashawn oh. Holmes. Who's hey, Jordan Holmes? I don't know. Jordan Holmes just popped my mind. I, I, re- I recognize. I recognize Holmes. Yeah, twenty-three years old. This guy, a good shooter, like got some three-point range in the NBA. Like he is the perfect backup center he really is like if they dished okafor and just played this rashawn holmes guy as backup center like i think he's perfectly built for that role like 15 20 minutes a game just comes in as a spark plug works real hard get some rebounds get some points shoot some threes just a little bit of everywhere i, I really like that guy kid he's a real good player that is you know, limited role i mean like don't get me wrong i'm not saying he's yeah good. this is not the uh gonna break make or break your fancy team that's not gonna happen but when he when it's like if Okafor and him both get hurt, like he's a real interesting guy. Uh, we'll say that. Yeah, if he could, uh, if he was suddenly playing uh, over thirty minutes a game, uh, then the numbers kind of pan out where he 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 could be someone that that enters into the fantasy relevance uh, discussion. Yeah, no doubt. So there's a kind of my top. I actually gave you twenty one. I was gonna do twenty, um, but I wanted to say that Juwan Evans. I think is kind of a he's another guy I, I kind of view as kind of safe. He's got to be a backup point guard for a while. Um, so I think gotta be minutes. So, yeah, I think what's uh, what might surprise some people is uh, is the Dennis Smith um, at number three and De'Aaron Fox at number four. But like like you've said, the, the reasons for that being uh, just where they are, who they're playing for, and uh, their ability to uh, basically be uh, the point guards for those teams, get a really good assists, get steals. Um, Lonzo Ball, Marco Fultz, rounding out that that, that top tier of uh, both Dynasty and Redraft. Uh, we'll have to see how all these teams pan out in free agency to really truly understand uh, what their role is going to be uh, moving forward with a full uh, roster. And then by the time that happens, it's almost uh, going to be Summer League. Right. 
And, and the summer league actually starts on uh, what second? The the Orlando one is really coming up fast. Um, the Orlando one is always during free agency, which is always weird. Um, yeah, that's that is very strange. And then the the Vegas one, which is what most people consider the one, is on the it starts on the seventh. Um, the Orlando one, I I do believe it starts on the second, but I'm not positive. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, um, it starts on the first no. even Saturday the first. So this Saturday it's on. Yeah, everybody tweet at Adam Silver and just be like, nobody wants to go to Orlando. Have the entire summer league in Vegas all together, uh, or you know, spread it out. Have it in right, Vegas and, for a whole, whole two months. Who cares? And and I said this too. Like John Collins is the perfect example of what you just said, right? Like if the Hawks get back Millsap or they sign, I don't know, insert power forward here. Yeah. Then he's fifteen minutes a game. He's playing and like. Okay, he's not really worth anything. And then we don't care at all. Right. But it, as of right now, if Millsap leaves and Howard's gone and they got to give him 25 or 30 minutes a night, he might be interesting. Cool. So, I mean, a lot's going to change. Great. So, yeah, that's, that is – we'll probably wrap it up for our uh, Dynasty Draft special. Uh, we did cover a whole lot in this episode, including some of the uh, breaking news and how much I hate uh, Gar Foreman. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to, to plug? Uh, no, not really, man. I, I mean, you can always find my stuff on Twitter. Like, if you just search well, at Watsy4444, um, you can always find anything I'm writing about on there. So You got to get those four fours in there. That's right. Don't forget. It's, it's, it's easy to remember, right, Mike? You always tell me. For, yeah, Watsy4444. How could you forget? How could you forget that? I'm with you, man. So yeah, you can uh, tweet at either one of us. Uh, you can find me at Watch the Boxes on Twitter as well. We will be, uh, I assume, actively tweeting at most times during the week because things are about to get real crazy here in the NBA. And so we will be doing uh, podcasts based on uh, how much crazy news comes out over the weekends uh, once free agency starts. I mean, it feels like... Um, it's already been the craziest off season of all time already. And free agency hasn't even begun yet. So uh, we'll see where this league is headed. I think there's a lot of guys who will switch teams and uh, a lot of teams who are going to be um, tanking really, really hard uh, and not interested in any big name free agents. So it could be a very uh, kind of a weird off season overall, but if you have any questions or you want to leave us feedback on the show, or you want help with your fantasy league or whatever's going on, tweet at either one of us. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of this podcast, you can uh, tweet at either one of us as well, or you can email to us at watchtheboxes at gmail.com. So I think that's about it, Tyler. Um, thanks for joining me. And uh, My we'll pleasure s- as always, man. Yeah, we'll see everybody real soon.